Hi, my name is Trudy Rosquay and I am the founder of Vitality 40+. I am not only a master personal trainer specialising in women's and children's physical health, but also a menopause ambassador who is passionate about spreading the word and breaking all those mystical taboos over the M word. I have created a series of podcasts with a variety of guests, not only on women's health issues, but subjects that relate to men's health and well-being also, unlocking all the answers to questions that you may have wanted to ask, but unsure as to where to get the information. La 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 la. Yeah, that's fine. Hi, and welcome to another podcast with Vitality 40 Plus. Today's guest is a very good friend of mine who I've known for many, many years. Um, so I'd like to introduce Joe Fairbrush. So, hello, Joe. <laughs> um, and now, Joe has for many years worked in the marketing and consultancy business which included about 10 years working for a local brewery here in Jersey um, until she kind of found fame in 2019 by taking on a charity challenge to become sober um, and is now under her own branding of uh, Sober Joe um, and goes around spreading the word about alcohol or not, as the case may be. So again, welcome Joe uh, to the podcast. Hello, my lovely. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's all very exciting because I know we've had this. We've been wanting and threatening to do this for so long. Um, so let's start at the beginning and we can take a little bit of a, um, a story as to how you came to 2019. Yeah. So as you mentioned, 10 years ago, I worked at Liberation Brewery and my jobs have always been work hard, play harder. And often in male dominated businesses, too, where I felt like I had to be at the bar drinking with the guys till the bitter end. And I think I always saw myself as a party person and as the last one standing. And I had a little crown that I would polish, you know, um, and I just got to the point where enough was enough. And I was bored of my own bull. Yep. <laughs> and I was just like, Do you know what? Something has to change. You know, um, I would wake up in the morning the, the day after the night before um, proclaiming that I would never, ever, 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 ever drink again with all of the kind of, you know, and the emojis and all that kind of stuff. Um, and people would just be like, yeah. And I would be then back on the hair of the dog that evening making myself feel better. And it was a habitual loop. I was using drink um, as a crutch um, to celebrate, to commiserate, um, any excuse really. Um, it was part of my identity. Um, and yeah, I just got bored and knew that I, there was more to life and I needed to discover it. Did you, did you feel that, um, did you feel like you needed a drink every day or were you a weekend binger? So for me, it was most days I'd got into that habitual yeah. end of the day, get yeah, through the door, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't even take my coat off. I would still have my coat on. I wouldn't have even had said hello to my husband, patted the dogs. Like I literally would be getting the biggest glass out of a cupboard for either a giant glass of Malbec 
um, or one of the beers kind of thing, you know? And that was kind of like, it's the end of the day. I deserve this. This is my symbol that it's the end of the day. And yeah, that moment, that first glass was like, (sighs) there's your sense of dopamine being thrown down you now. Exactly that. But then for me, I am wired in a way that is all or nothing. And this is the thing, different people are wired in different ways. And I am someone who is 110% in everything that I do. And I was the same with alcohol. So once I started, it wouldn't just be one glass with my meal. It would be then many glasses, maybe even opening another bottle. Um, And then at the weekends, it was even worse. Yeah. You know, I mean, did your did your other half join in? Was he drinking as well with you to make? I mean, it was a social thing you did together. So he has a healthy relationship with alcohol. You know, I'm talking about being wired in a certain way. Yeah, yeah, we are yeah. literally the yin to the yang kind of thing. <laughs> like, so he um, can leave like wine in the glass. Like he doesn't even have to finish the glass, let alone the bottle, um, which I've never been able to understand. Um, you know, he he can have it as a compliment to his food. We've now discovered since I've been sober now for over three and a half years now, we've now discovered when he gets a bottle of wine, it lasts a week. I'm like, what the hell? Um, if there was wine in the house when I was drinking, it was being drunk. Um, And yes, it would be me and then pouring a glass for him to have and he would have the glass or like I say, leave a little bit because he was kind of done. But he was having that mainly because I I was having it. He wouldn't go out of his way to go and buy a bottle of wine every night on the way home kind of thing, you know, whereas I was doing that. Yeah, so he'd only be be drinking it because you exactly. It's an interesting, I mean, how did you feel about um, lunchtime? Because obviously you were, you know, and I know that when I knew you, you know, you were running a a creative agency. Mm. So very social, very taking clients out for, you know, lunches and um, drinks after work and and different events. Did you find that the drink was creeping in during the day as well? I don't know so much about the daytime I mean, if I was going out for a lunch, then yes, maybe. Um, but it was more the evenings. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, 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 the final nail in the coffin for me was actually a corporate works do. It was a Christmas party. It was November of the 2018. And I went to a client's works do. But before going to that, myself and a, another colleague went to the pub first for a yeah. few drinks first and we were going to a wine tasting event and the colleague that I was with wouldn't have gone to the pub if I hadn't have initiated it <laughs> but obviously you need something yeah, to drink before you go to a wine, wine tasting event of course you would Why you know so uh, uh so had a few drinks then went to the wine tasting I know the beginning of the night was fun um I don't remember leaving the event Uh, I woke up the next day. Um, My husband wasn't in the bed next to me. 
I was butt naked, starfished, lovely uh, image for you there. Yeah, I was like, oh. it's a lovely image. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Uh, and um, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? And that fear, that shame, all of those feelings yeah. were there. And I, I just felt, I, well, I felt sick as well because obviously I drank so much. And um, it was a Friday because the drinks were on a Thursday night. Um, and I had to go into work and be the MD of a company. And I just felt absolutely hideous. I felt rotten to the core. I went yeah. into work, bought everybody bacon sandwiches, made a big joke out of the whole thing, um, which again, not great from you know the leader of a company. And I then started to try and work out how I'd got home, you know, what the rest of the evening might have looked like because my colleague had obviously left way before I had. Um, and so I looked at the receipts in my handbag. It showed that I'd been to the Blind Pig, which is quite ironic for anybody who's not in Jersey. That is a cocktail bar. Um, and I then got the bus home, wow. which is again, like how did I even do that when I was blind drunk? And that's the thing, if you've not ever blacked out, it's very hard for you to understand what that is. So for somebody else, they might look at me and they wouldn't know that there's nobody home, that I've actually yeah. left my body kind of thing and something else has taken over basically. Um, I could have a conversation with you. Yeah. I wouldn't remember it. I wouldn't know that I'd spoken to you. Uh, so I then was even more mortified at this point uh, I probably did a happy hour at the end of the day because, you know, that's something that I'd introduced in the company that I was working at. Um, and I then went home and I'd driven. So I'd obviously only had the amount that you can have before yeah, yeah, getting in yeah. a car. But again, now that just makes me cringe. Yeah, um, yeah. And I got home and my next door neighbor was knocking on my car window and I was like, oh my god yeah, what yeah, yeah. is coming next uh and he was laughing and he was thinking it was hilarious that I'd knocked on his door when I'd come home and I told him I was taking the dogs for a walk and like been having a chat with him like that was completely normal I did not remember any of this I had no recollection of it at all so I didn't find it that funny even though he no, found it very funny Yes, because inside you're kind of just dying this slow and painful death of cringing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. thinking, I'm so lucky that it was somebody I knew mm. who was, you know, a safe person that I knocked on their yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it made me really think back to like, you know, I lived in London, again, working in agency world yeah. in London. And I used to put myself in lots and lots of dangerous situations. And I think it just was that final, like, that's not cool. And I got home and then my husband was like, Joe, you have to stop doing this. Like you came in, you were so drunk. Um, and I, the other thing that I used to do is I'd throw myself on my husband when I'd come home. Um, and- Must have loved it, isn't it? Totally uh, strange. He, he, he was like, this isn't sexy. Like, and I'd be like, ah, come on, I'm so sexy. And he'd be like, not really. Um, and then I would feel very rejected and get yeah, very upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was this kind of like loop that kept happening. And he was just like, it's a bit boring. Like, I don't really, it's not cool. And I was like, and he said, oh, you were trying to take the dogs for a walk. And that obviously 
matched up with the next door neighbor's story. And I was like, oh my God, I just wanted to die. So I spent my weekend being sober curious because obviously, like I'd said, I said to many people so many times before, I'm go- I'm going to stop. I'm never drinking again. All those yeah, kind of yeah, things that yeah, you say, yeah. but you ca- I kind of said those things yeah. in jest, you know, before. Well, like we all do. Like we all do when we've had too much to drink. I mean, how many times people say that's it? I'm never drinking. I am never drinking again. But you know, I mean, you took this one step forward, and as you say, or one step further, I should say. So in you know 2018, all this was going on, and you know, it does. I do. I was I had an interview with Jason Wise, um, who yes, is uh, part of the Silkworth group. And we were talking about this, about when is the question was, when it, when is an addict an addict? When do you mm. when do you realize, you know, we have this visual, this of, you know, somebody sitting on a park bench at seven o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning drinking from brown paper bag. When actually he was like, well, when your behavior changes or when you start affecting other people um, that you're with. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, you know, I've seen that. I've seen how alcohol can affect both myself, but also, also the people that I've been with when, when they get drunk and you're sober, obviously mm. moving on a little bit on the story, but however, that, that behavior is actually quite important in trying to, you know, I don't know, think about whether you're an addict or not. So at this point, you know, by you're not drinking in the morning, you're not drinking pref, you're not drinking really at lunch times, but you just can't say the stop button for mm. the note. But the fact was that your behaviour, whether it be with work colleagues, friends, or particularly your husband, who is the, obviously the closest one around you, is now becoming detrimental to the fact that you're drinking, that actually either people are laughing at you or with you, depending on mm. which way and what you've done. But also from your point of view, from your self-esteem, you're thinking, well, gosh, are they laughing at me with, as you say, you know, mm. am I putting myself into dangerous situations? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that, you know, maybe that that turning point was like your husband, like you, knowing what you were like when you'd come home having had those drinks and your husband saying, you know, enough's enough, Joe. This can't continue. You know, mm. you're going to have to make some changes. Now, sometimes if I was to, you know, if we were to reverse this, that could actually work against you because you'd say, well, actually, do you know what? Beep mm. you. I'm, my life, my choice, I'll do what I want. But at least you were able to reflect or at least start to see that this is yes. a problem. Who I wanted to be across my life. So as a, uh, you know, a leader in my company, yeah, exactly. as um, a wife, as even a sister, a daughter, uh, a friend, all of those things and who I was being when I was drinking weren't aligned, who no, I wanted no, to be and no. who I was being. And so that was that that misalignment um, and the voice. So the voice, the critic inside of me was getting louder and louder and louder and I couldn't ignore it. And I was like, this this really 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 needs to change and I think what you're saying around the addict is interesting because um I have got that addictive personality it is within me I'm someone like I said who it is 
you know, all in. And yeah. so I have to be very careful what I direct my energy into, what I pour myself into. And if I pour myself into positive things, that is amazing because I'm all yeah. in. If I pour it into things that are negative and low vibration, that's not great. Um, and so I think it's important that the people who are listening to this realize that you don't have to be somebody who is identified as an alcoholic or as an addict to want to change and to want to stop drinking. Um, you know, you can be somebody who has a couple of drinks and yeah. who then feels depressed, feels anxious, feels you know name your feeling uh, yeah, that you absolutely. feel there if it's something that doesn't serve you you can choose to stop and if it's and if stopping is something that you find hard then you can choose to get help to stop it doesn't mean <laughs> that you are an alcoholic there's nothing wrong with you know going to AA or using no, no. Um, those services of course that works for some people but for some people they might need a more positive approach or a different way that focuses more on the benefits and more on um, you know letting go of who what that bought in you you know rather than focusing on what you're missing out on you're focusing on what you're gaining and I think you know just to just to reiterate that you know, a lot of our habits, so our addictions, whether that be um, drugs, gambling, well, obviously anything, even paracetamol, you know, I mean, you can be addicted mm -hmm. to anything. Cigarettes. But a lot of it, yeah, absolutely. But a lot of it is Shopping. habit. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, we, we call it, they call it that, that, that habit forming technique whereby we try to break the habit. And I suppose, for me as a weight loss coach, you, you, you have to break habits of mm. having chocolate in the afternoon or having a drink after work. And the big thing that you need to do is to fill that habit with something else, which then becomes mm. a new habit, like mm. we're saying. Now, the thing with alcohol, I think, and, it, it, you know, I want to sort of go onto the, the, the turning point, like, you've, you know, how it, how it mm. was to stay sober. But the turning point is, is in fact, that is so to you wasn't it it was so important I mean you did this to raise money so it's well tell me tell me how did it how did it start obviously I know a little bit of your story yeah. so, tell me how it started. So, so for me I know that I'm really good at doing stuff for other people like that's something that I know about myself you know I love helping other people but I wasn't very good at helping myself so I I am someone who self-sabotages I'm somebody who um, isn't always very kind to themselves. I'm much better now, by the way, but then yeah, yes, because I've created yeah, yeah, yeah. the awareness yeah. in myself now, yeah. but then I wasn't. So I was like, what can I do to hold myself accountable? Because there weren't uh, sober coaches and influencers mm. and people out there talking about this at this point, really. So I was like, what can I do? So for me, setting up a Just Giving page, choosing a charity that was close to my heart. So my charity was Friends of Jersey Oncology. They're a small charity. I knew that any money raised would make a difference. They've helped a few of my friends. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I thought, right. And also for me, putting stuff out publicly. Oh, it's a huge account. It's a big thing for it's me. Huge. And it's different yeah. for everybody. Everybody has to do what's right for them. But for me, I had to be out and proud and putting it out there. Um, and I was like, look, you know, now I've learned that I'm a gray area drinker. 
like so I that that's the category that I fall into it's that kind of gray area where society actively encourages you to drink which is why it's so hard to stop kind of thing um so I was like right I'm gonna put it out there and I created a blog and I blogged about my experiences so each you know every other week or whatever I would like a diary like a journal I would update it and I'd let people know how I was getting on um so before I actually started the charity, the charity challenge, so let's say December time, because the event was in November, I walked around events holding a glass filled with alcohol in my hand going, I'm doing a charity challenge. I'm going to give up alcohol for a year. And doing it for a year was very important to me because, again, it's that all or nothing thing. Yeah, I had to do yeah. it for everything. I couldn't just do it for a month. I knew that the habit would not have been broken in a month. It needed time and space and healing. Um, And I needed to feel all the feels and all that kind of stuff. And I needed to um, do it for lots of different events rather than just one, because otherwise then somebody go, well, why did you choose that month rather than that month? Because I've got my important thing that month. And I can't believe you've chosen that month to do this stupid thing. Um, So I told everybody in that December, who would listen, that I was going to do this charity challenge and people were putting down, I would say donations, but it was bets on their behalf um, that I wouldn't be able to do it. So people were putting down like 500 pound bets Oh my God. So it really was a huge amount of money. Yeah, because they were like, I've seen you try and do dry January and you don't last longer than two weeks, max, maybe days sometimes. I mean, when I look back at Facebook memories, I see that, you know, theme each January (laughs) and people laughing, literally laughing in the comments. So everybody was like, there's no way you'll be able to do do it for a whole bloody year. So people were literally putting down bets. Then it was real. I was doing it before it had even become the 1st of January. I couldn't let the charity down. I'd let them know that I was raising money for them. And it was real. And then I was blogging about my experiences and I went on a Hindu to Croatia in month three with my Ladette girlfriends by months, which was excruciatingly painful. I'm not yeah. even going to pretend it wasn't. Um, I, I was on the outside looking great, eyes sparkling, skin looking good. <laughs> All of those benefits were showing on the yeah. outside, but the inside didn't match with the outside at that point. I felt like I was missing out. I felt like I'd lost my identity. I didn't know how I fitted within this group anymore. Um, And, you know, and that's the thing. um, And I'm sure we'll talk about this, but like, that's why I've chosen to be a sober coach now, because it took me a lot longer, obviously, to go through this process. And it is a bit of a grieving process because you're letting go of oneself kind of thing you know to find another self um and as time went by you know I got to month six and I went to the same person's wedding and it was a festival wedding it was in the Cotswolds fabulous everybody all dressed up they put so much effort into creating this event and I felt so pleased to be present in the moment and like I enjoyed every single second of it and I was up dancing I felt like the best bits of the Joe before 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was embracing it and I was proud. And somebody came over to me to offer me a drink. And I didn't know this person. So they weren't trying to like slip me up or do you know what I mean? Like they weren't yeah, trying yeah, to get yeah. me to like, you know, ruin the challenge. They hadn't sponsored 500 pounds. Um, <laughs> and this guy was like, oh, would you like, I, I bought you a drink. And I was like, oh, thanks. What's, what is it? And he was like, oh, gin and tonic. And I was like, oh no, I'm sober. And I, I said it in a completely different way to how I would have said it at the beginning of yeah. the challenge, which would have yeah. been, oh, oh, I'm, I'm doing a challenge. <laughs> I'm not, I'm Will not you drinking. sponsor me? I'm not drinking. <laughs> and, like, and, and that's where I learned how, you know, it's so important, the energy that you put behind what you're saying. So if you go into something with that pride, with that sense of kind of like joy and excitement and you know what you're gaining yeah well I'm gonna have a great night rather than yeah uh, it's not gonna be a good night so I'm yeah. not drinking that that energy is so important shifting the way that you speak about something and the way that you think about something is so 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 powerful and so I was so proud in that moment I had the best night. I was one of the last people standing because the music was great. Yeah. I was yeah. dancing my little yeah. bits off. Yeah. I was yeah. having so much fun. And the next morning I woke up with the biggest sober smug face. Yeah. You can ever yeah. imagine. And my friend who I was with was dying. Dying. She was like, Meh. I was like, should I go and get yeah. some bacon sandwiches and some coffee? And she was like, nah. So I went off, went and got us some bits for breakfast and it felt really good. I was like, oh my God, this is like what other people used to do for me. And I got all the bits and I was listening to a conversation that some people um, who were next to the breakfast thing were having and they were like, oh my God, I'm so hungover. And they were trying to piece together the night and I could hear them go, was there a band? Like, I think there was a band. And I was like, the band were amazing. They were so good. I was that really, really annoying person. And I didn't care. And I felt so proud that I'd like just shifted into this more positive mindset. And I was like the next morning just feeling so happy that I'd been completely present. I could have remember I'd made memories that I did not want to forget. And that for me was the moment where I was like, I'm never drinking again. Like six months in, I literally went, I am never, ever going to have a drink again. The charity element is an absolute bonus now. You see, it's it's really, you know, listening to you say that story. So for the listeners that, um, that you know, don't know, I, I've, always, I've been a party girl. I've done my drinking and all that malarkey and probably still do in a, in a kind of way. But I was diagnosed with what turned out to be so from uh, high ferritin, I high iron in my blood, um, which initially is always going to be the, the iron protein is going to stick to the liver. So the first time when I was in Spain, they said, right, you need to come off alcohol for a month. And I was like, you do what? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. And I, I can remember we were all COVID. So we all had these, you know, all the masks on. Was, I just pulled the mask down and went, okay. And he was like, no, one, one month. And I was like, one, one month. And it was mm. kind of this you know thing anyway I went back and literally 
how how Derek and I did not end up divorcing, even though we weren't married, was unbelievable because I realised that how much he speaks uh, when <laughs> on a Saturday night. So then I was like, and he'd go, oh, are you going to bed? Why are you going to bed? Well, because I don't want to be up, do I? I just want to get over the evening so I can mm-hmm. just get up tomorrow morning. Get through it. Start to get, yeah, literally. Mm. It was awful. I think it was about day 30 when I went, right, I'm going back to the doctor. Now. I had more bloods and they were like, no, your bloods are still high. Um, you need to do another three months off the booze. Now, at that point, I was like, you are absolutely having a laugh. Three months off the booze. Now you are taking it just too far. Okay. We haven't even got any results after a month. So let alone three months. So then I had to go away and do a bit of self-counselling to myself because it would be no like if you say on a diet, right, you're not to eat chocolate, you're not to eat cake, you're not to do this. What are the first things that you want to do? Because your brain, mm-hmm. here's the word not, turns it and goes, well, you are. Missing gonna... out. Exactly. Missing out. Exactly. So I then had to have a little word to myself and went, right, okay, well, you've got a health issue going on, Trudy, and you don't really know what's going on, but nobody knows what's going on. So what are you going to do about it? You're just going to, like, go, no. But what if you just sort of get your head around this slowly? So I was kind of a bit different to you. You see, I'm, I just went down the road, right, let's start this journey of not drinking, but, but not drinking. And in Spain, they had some amazing non-alcoholic drinks. Mm. Not in bars. That's the problem. Not in bars or restaurants, but certainly in supermarkets. You could go and get um, like a Casares, which was like a white wine and, and spring water, but it, but it wasn't. It was just like a grape juice, probably. But it was lovely, refreshing. You could do that. Or Tinto Verano, and you could have it without sugar, without alcohol. So again, making it up. So I used to go to parties. I used to have my little bottle, a great big bottle mm-hmm. of Tinto Verano. And I say, look, can you just make this up like you would? anybody else and then I, I don't feel I'm missing out nobody does a social pressure of oh you're not drinking why are you not drinking mm-hmm. um which of course will the come booze bullies oh oh god so I did that and then of course um the then I would say well okay what I'll do on a Saturday um I'll have a glass of wine because that's the real one thing I missed out now you see as I say a little bit different to you is that it, I didn't need to do the all or nothing it wasn't like I was I'd set myself up it was only really myself and Derek that was sort of you know, I was doing this as a health reason, mm. but I found that the way and the same thing, skin, eyes, and everyone mm. was saying, because we were still just zooming a lot at that point, because we couldn't get back to Jersey because um, of COVID. And then I came back and I look at the photographs of when I came back, oh my God, I looked so different, so different, apart from being obviously tanned and healthy, but it, the, the, my body composition was completely different. Now, obviously mm. I had built up the Vitality 40 plus slimming thing, the mission at that point. Mm. So I, I knew then that alcohol was about, you know, as conducive to bloating as anything else. So kind of a bit like a bit different to there. But then I came back and I just fell into the Jersey. It was, we were back to COVID, back to being locked down, back to socialize. Well, when we did get out, it was like, you know, the weather was pants. It wasn't like we were going out anywhere. And we fell back into the habit you know, and I suppose you and I have spoken about that, the habit of what do we do now? What do we do when the weather's crap? And, you know, what about Sunday lunch? Or what about, and it was just too easy. It was just too easy. And you were, you know, you're saying exactly how I felt. 
that the same thing had happened until I made a point. So again, back in the, suddenly the hemochromatosis was up. So I was diagnosed with hemochromatosis. So this was now a genetic condition. So it took sort of six months to a year to diagnose. So there is nothing I can do about it. But this is now, I then made a choice, accountable choice to say, right. And mine, my first treatment of hemochromatosis, so I have to have blood taken out of me every three weeks, was Christmas Eve. And I was thought, no way, no way. No, I'm not in this to do it. So I did wait till January the 4th. But by then I'd kind of, I'd got my head into it and exactly what you said. The first Saturday I had a girls party um, at uh, uh, the, the yacht, which is quite an in-place in Jersey, not a single non-alcoholic drink available. And mm. I, I, wanted, I, want, I hated it. I hated being there. I didn't like the pressure I was being put under to drink. Oh, come on. The champagne here, Trudy. It won't, it won't hurt you just having one. Well, you've probably heard every line under the sun. And it's that, it's that power to get through that, to keep pushing through and pushing through and pushing through. So let's go back to your charity channel. I mean, that was kind of like my story. I, mm. I have, you know, I did go, I am back on it, but I can take it and leave it. And it's, again, habit is I can walk into a pub and ask for a zero lager. Mm-hmm. And we, we'll talk about our, our liberty, the, the way you're drinking, drinking. But, um, and then there are other people who go, well, why do you want something that looks like alcohol? When in fact, you're saying you're, you, you're saying you don't drink. Why don't you just drink water or Coke or juice? Okay, because I don't want to drink. I mean, I drink water. I drink water all day. But they're mm. like, have a break. I like to have something different. Do you still, do you feel like that now? Do I feel like I still get booze bullied or or that I still like to drink alcohol-free drinks? Yes, you like Yes, okay, so when I first started the challenge, I used the alcohol-free drinks as a crutch. So I felt like I really needed them. Yeah. 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 Um, So I would be having the alcohol-free beer in replacement of the wine that I would normally have on an evening or whatever. Um, So it worked as an alternative for me because for whatever reason for me having an alcohol-free beer gives me that satisfaction but it doesn't put the the doesn't switch the party on (laughs) it doesn't go I now need to drink 10 of these um you know I'm then like that was nice I'm good now kind of thing. Um, So I would, um, I would use them like at home. I would um, bring them round to friends' houses. I realized that preparation really, really is important. Um, If you want to have that moment with your friends and not feel like you're missing out. Um, There are now so many good alcohol-free alternatives. Back then, not yeah. so much. There was the odd beer. Um, I literally bought every single alcohol-free product that was available at the time. And a proportion of it, especially the red wines, went straight down the sink, I'm sad to yeah, say. The red wine. They I were know, terrible. I mean, even I now, do. they're still hard to replicate. But um, there are so many good versions now. But as time went by, I found myself relying on it less. So now, okay. a, a, you okay. know, a sparkling water in a wine glass I'm quite happy Ah, it's enough like if I've got it in a nice glass then I still feel like I'm part of the party I think about how hydrated 
I'm getting at the time. Um, I also think about how much money I can put into something else as well, because obviously alcohol is extremely expensive. Um, and so are the alcohol-free drinks. They're expensive because they go through the same process as well. Some of them go through an additional process to actually de-alcoholize the drink, you know? So, um, would I like everywhere to offer good alcohol-free alternatives? Absolutely. You know, and if they did have them, I would get an alcohol-free alternative. You know, I'd support the cause kind of thing. Um, You know, when I go somewhere and everybody's drinking a glass of sparkling uh, and I have a glass of sparkling water, do I wish that I could have a nice glass of alcohol-free sparkling? Yeah. Yeah. Is it the end of the world now for me? No. But for somebody right at the beginning of their journey, it could be. And especially if you aren't holding yourself accountable by yeah, something yeah, yeah. bigger than yourself yeah it's very easy to go well it would be easier you know for me just to have a drink One, yeah I know and the button you know that, do you know it's 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 weird we're saying this now because I've sort of come off the um the unaccountability and it sometimes I find myself s- sliding into an old routine mm. and I've had two glasses of rosé and I think I don't even want this mm. I don't I don't want to drink this, but it, and it annoys me that I've allowed myself to have. So I, I kind of like sit in this, this sort of middle bit mm. now whereby, you know, 90% of the time I'm quite happy not to drink. So my girlfriends, a bit like what you were saying that we go out. In fact, we're going away uh, in August and um, I know that they are big, you know, shot girls, party girls. But they've also known that the last three events I've not drunk Mm. and I've chosen not to drink kind of like to put myself in it. But I get a load of grief. I mean, and Mm. these are like three of my closest friends. And I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do when we go away? And it's something that's already starting to like fester in my brain. Give you anxiety a little bit. And, And that's the thing. Like, so for me, it is easier not to drink at all because if I was given the choice and I was drinking alcohol I would always have the alcohol so like I'm I'm here not to say that everybody needs to be sober that's not my message my message is that we need to be mindful of how we are wired what serves us and what doesn't kind of thing so if you're somebody who can take it or leave it then that's that's a mindful drinking relationship you know yeah, yeah. you know and that's what we we're talking about before when you're talking about like eating like whatever yeah. if, if you're if you're thinking about is this something that's going to make me feel good in the long run or is it that instant dopamine hit that I'm yeah. looking to get from it if it's just the instant dopamine hit what else could I do to get that hit instead and in terms of the kind of the booze bullying and your friends kind of really encouraging you because I've been sober for quite a long time now I have more of my friends that are curious around not drinking (laughs) because they have seen the journey that I've gone on yes yes and they're inspired by it and they're like actually what's my relationship like is it good or is it you know and there's some people who are like you know what I choose not to drink more often than I do now kind of thing, you know, so they've been more mindful. There's less of this shot, shot, shot. I mean, it's still there, of course, you know, I'm very much in that party 
people group. Although I have now found lots of other friends. New friends, yeah. And I think, you know, it, it's strange and it's not, you know, not about ditching your old friends it's, or ditching no. your old image. But I think it's about putting yourself into that situation and being able, well, I like that word, you know, I do talk about mindful eating, you know, people say, oh yeah, well, mm-hmm. I'm grabbing on the go. And I'm saying, well, yeah, but if you just sat down, if you want a piece of cake or a biscuit in the afternoon and you put your hand in there and you think, if I put my hand in that biscuit barrel, I'm going to put it straight into my mouth because then nobody will know. And it doesn't really count because I've just eaten that biscuit. But actually go and get a plate from the cupboard, go and put the biscuit on the plate Take the plate with the biscuit or the cake, whatever, on it. Go and sit down, whether wherever you are, and put the plate down on that desk or that table or whatever, and then eat it. Mm. Like, and think about why. What is it to enjoy as part of a moment or whatever, or is it to drown a feeling out yeah like think about boredom like actually be mindful around what is coming up for you yeah rather than just doing it like what is the reason so like I would go on a night out and then I would come home and I would have a glass of wine after being on a night out yeah and again my husband would be like what are you doing you yeah. know, but like, I would think that that was a normal thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's those, it's those things. If, if you are somebody who is questioning their relationship with alcohol, people who don't have a bad relationship with the alcohol, don't question it. Yeah. That's a very, that's a very good, that's a very good pointer to sort of hold that. Um, the one little bit I'd like to go on before we sort of wind up. Mm. Um, and I, I do joke about this with every podcast. I'm not going to mention the M word, but we are going to mention the menopause. Mm. Menopause and alcohol has a, has a bit of a like um, a sort of plus and minus sign. It is mm. it, a bit of an explosion. And, and many people, when many women will feel that their either hangovers get worse or that they become an, a, an, an allergy to alcohol i.e it makes them feel physically sick and intolerance yeah intolerance sorry that's mm. probably the better word mm. um and in fact i am one of the reasons for doing this is that obviously estrogen, well there's a few reasons why so estrogen estrogen god nearly didn't say that very well on a monday estrogen drops and it can't always release dopamine which is ser- through serotonin so of course we are always looking for something more which is si- why so many women say to me well we i just cannot give up the booze I cannot give up that glass of wine in the evening because that's what gives us a feeling Mm. you know and you've spoken about it today and I said yeah but there are other things that there are other things that you can do to do that do you find that in your in your and I say you've mentioned journaling as well which is very Mm. important but did you find in your journey of meeting people because obviously mm. you are not at menopausal age here. I'm just mm. going to put this out mm. to, the, to the listeners um, that that people have spoken to you about this. Lots of women have. I've been stopped in the street by people <laughs> have you? who are like, "I'm go- I'm sorry. I know you don't know who I am, but I follow <laughs> your page. I want to say thank you." to you for what you put out I'm going through the menopause and their friend is like a little bit further up the lane going are you just speaking to random people about this now (laughs) (laughs) she's like I'm going through the menopause and like I'm really struggling with my relationship with alcohol and it's 
you know, I didn't used to have this intolerance with it, but now I do. And, you know, I feel like nowadays it's actually bringing on the symptoms of menopause for me. So that initial drink that gave you that, ah, then longer term is then making them not be able to sleep, insomnia, mood swings, the hot flush, like all of those symptoms are exasperated to another level, you know, and like like you you mentioned, I've not experienced those symptoms myself yet. Um, But like women have less of the enzymes anyway, to process alcohol so then add in all of the things that yeah. you know menopause does to hormones alcohol is a toxin let's yeah. not forget oh, no, no, what it is you know <laughs> so um it's going to do that to people so it's looking for other ways to give you that ah, feeling Absolutely. you know and that could be creating a ritual where you sit down and you let all of your thoughts and feelings come out and a lot of people with journaling find it really hard so obviously for me my beginnings with journaling was doing the blog yeah that was me starting to write again for the first time since I was a spotty teenager writing about boys and other things but like I, I I found it so therapeutic putting out how I felt kind of thing, you know? Um, So creating maybe a ritual around that, you know, lighting a candle, doing the drinks kind of experience in the nice glass with something that's alcohol free, like creating that experience still rather than, well, I'm just gonna have to drink water now. There's nothing wrong with drinking water, no, of course. It's but great. It's, it's nice. But if, you, if you're craving that, there's so many zero gins out there now. And and I've got, I mean, I was a big gin and tonic drinker. But in the end, what I switched it out because in Spain, obviously, it's three quarters gin and a splash of tonic. Mm. And I realized that actually, when I, I actually went to a, a, a secondary doctor who said, actually, you're taking six gins a day. By yeah. having two gin and tonics. Now that was scary, scary stuff. That's a bit like, you know, you having that put in your face. Mm-hmm. So then I said, well, okay, whilst we're at home, this is, and I, I actually lined it out. This is the amount of gin. Then I realized I couldn't take the gin. So what was the point of me having the gin? Which is mm-hmm. why I then came off and went, well, I won't have it. But the zero gins, I still have. And it is quite nice if I fancy a, ooh, I fancy a little moment drink yeah exactly and you can make cocktails you can get yeah. creative you can have fun around it again it's about associating it with fun rather than associating it with that lack kind of you know yeah, so yeah exactly so like you know instead of having a glass of red wine now I have a really amazing bath and I put all the bubbles in and I maybe put a face mask on you know like I do something for myself or I've yeah. just started sea swimming you know, so Mad something woman. that gives you that endorphins kind yeah, of uh, he's rush and yeah. feeling, but without putting something that in the long run is just lowering your vibration and not making you feel good, you know, um, and, and looking for things to fill your time. I can genuinely tell you that I, I could never be bored now. I have about three different courses that I'm doing on the go. I'm now a course junkie, I think. Like, you know, you replace things with other things. Yeah. And actually now I can be quiet and I can hermit and I can be peaceful and I can like actually see that as doing something nowadays. Whereas in the past, yeah, I, would yeah, just, yeah. I used Always to going. use having a hangover as an excuse 
for doing nothing. And I think there's quite a few people who probably be able to relate to that. Yeah. If you're a go, 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 go person and you don't know how to stop, yeah. then you feel like you either have to get sick and burn out or yeah. have a hangover in order to allow yourself that time to just stop. So now I'm able to wind down, do some meditation, do some tapping, do some journaling, do really lovely, wholesome things for myself um, and take time out without needing to self-inflict or like do something to myself in order to be able to gift myself that you know so just to wind up Joe, because that's been absolutely I know we could we could be chatting for probably another hour really Uh, (laughs) yeah completely um right three things for somebody to consider I'm just throwing this on you, by the way, uh, to consider the, their, <laughs> their journey. They're, they're thinking now, okay, I'm inspired. Joe has just inspired me to do this. What would be the three things that you would say to start on your journey? So to start, really think about why you want to do this, because later down the line, you might romanticize your relationship with alcohol again. So when you're in it and you're in that space of, I, f- I just feel terrible. Like, it's, you know, I feel sick. All of the negative stuff that comes up around it, it's very easy to choose to stop. Not easy, easier to choose to stop. When you are further down the line and you start to feel great, which you do, you know, yeah. when you're buzzing with extra energy, when you you feel that effect that not drinking has, all those benefits, the skin, all the things we talked about, the sparkly eyes, you know, um, all of a sudden seeing other people who do have a good relationship with it from a distance, mm. we can start romanticizing it. It's like the partner. OK, so you maybe have a toxic relationship with somebody they then get with somebody else and they seem to be having a lovely relationship with that person and we look on it going (laughs) maybe it wasn't so bad oh no I really want them back now and you want to have them back again but actually the two of you together toxic it's the same kind of thing so it's understanding that different people can have different relationships with it so start with your why why have you chosen to do this and journal around that yeah. Because that's something you can come back to when you're maybe romanticizing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is all stuff that I do as part of my sober program um, that I've created, you know, um, really focusing on putting positive energy behind the decision rather than a negative kind of, I've got to get through this. I'm just going to drink water. I'm going to, do you know what I mean? Those things yeah, that could yeah. be Agreed. like the lack kind of mindset. Um, and look at it as an exciting adventure, you know, something that you're going to get to create for yourself, a new identity, one that serves you, one that's aligned with who you want to yeah. be. Like, I think um, for me, when I was sober curious initially, I was looking up like sober celebrities and I was like, who out there is sober? And I found like Bradley Cooper, who is my ultimate crush I never knew he was sober Blake Lively like oh, she really? is gorgeous Natalie Portman Zac Afron, Eva Mendes and I looked at these people 
And I was like, those guys are sexy. Yeah. And in my mind, I imagined them swinging from the chandelier at the after party, downing shots of tequila or champagne or whatever. And when I saw that they were sober, for whatever reason, some of it's just because they are too busy to have a hangover. Some of it's because they've identified as having a bad relationship with it. Um, you know, some of them identify with being an alcoholic. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, if they can do it, I can do it. I want to be like them. I don't want to be the joke anymore. I don't want to be the clown at the party. I don't want to be the one falling down the stairs or falling off the chair and then making a big joke about it kind of thing. You know, I'm ready to be taken seriously and to be able to choose when I want to be the clown, of which I am often. (laughs) But under your own choosing and your own free will. And to be able to know that when you want to dance like a lunatic or or grab the karaoke mic that you will actually remember the next all of that I can be playful I can I can connect with my inner child you know there's all these things that we say that you know we always say like oh well you can't really do that unless you're really really good at it as an adult like we just stop doing these things when we're when we kind of get to that point because we don't want to be taken the mick out of for doing those things but actually you can choose to just do those things because it's fun yeah but like I said, we could do like a series of podcasts. Seriously, I've got so much that I could share I with you. But <laughs> like if anybody is interested in learning more, like I have, I've I've obviously channeled all this learning over the last three and a half years into my own program so that I can help others because you know, I was very happy doing what I was doing in marketing, but then I had so many people getting in touch with me who identified and related with what I was saying, and they were like maybe I have got a problem and maybe it is something that I want to look at. So I learned to become a coach and it is, I've never, well, I'll never look back. It is the most rewarding thing, Trudy. I absolutely love it. Um, And yeah, soberjoe.com. And I, do you know what? Thank you, Joe. I think that is the longest podcast that I've done, but (laughs) I really hope that everybody did enjoy that and has taken something. I feel like I, I probably I'm going to come back to you. I think I'm going to come to you now because for me, that journey and your what you're saying is so true. And I'm feel like I'm halfway there. I feel like I'm probably three quarters of the way there, but I can still feel that, you know, it's just sometimes too, it's just sometimes the easy option. The mm. easy option. But let everybody now be thinking about the power of booze and what it does to you. Um, and yes, I would thoroughly recommend Joe. Um, and you'll find her details on the directory page on the podcast. Thank you very, very much. Love having you. See you soon. Thank you so much. Love you, Trudy. Bye. Bye. For more information on the topic that you've just listened to, please visit my website, www.vitality40plus.com. Thanks for listening.